The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. All right, pray with me. Father, we love you and we know that you have great things to say today. There have been crazy things going on today, sickness and um, technological issues and uh, schedule issues and so many things, little things. They're the only things the enemy has that he can do to try to stop this, but your word goes forward anyway. Your will goes forward anyway. And so we are excited, God, because that means you have something important to tell us today if the enemy's working so hard to try to stop it. So we ask, God, that you would remove Carrie and I from this teaching, that you would be the one to control our mouths and our tongues so that anything we say rings with your truth and drips with your grace in such a way that it transforms every one of us here by the words that we hear because they are your truth and not ours. It's not something we made up. It's something that you have documented and you have shared with us over the centuries. And even today, even in the middle of today, it is not only relevant, it is right and good and honest and true, and it is for our good. And we praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We have been, uh, since January, we've been working through this process of helping you to understand what our core values are, that we believe that joy is at the root of everything. If we can have a confident assurance of who God is and live that way, that we will find our authentic true selves in Him. And so authenticity is our second core value. And relationship is our third, with Him and with each other and with the world. And so we believe that's all wrapped up in what the uh, Israelites called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we have been trying to figure out how we can be better disciple makers. It is one thing for us to choose to follow him. It is another thing to recognize the mission that he has us on. And this is what it means to be a disciple maker. To not only say yes to him for you, but to say yes to him for everyone you come in contact with. Because they are all made in the image of God and they deserve to hear the truth from us. But they can't hear the truth from us if we can't exhibit the truth to them. And so there are six questions that we have come up with that help us to know where we are on our path of, to be a disciple maker. And it's all about being filled by God to be emptied for others. And so we took that word filled and we asked our questions, am I, and then each letter means something, F-I-L-L-E-D. And the first three are all about how God fills us. Am I fervently pursuing my faith through prayer, through reading, through fasting, through uh, worship, through gathering? Am I fervently pursuing my faith? 
The second one is, am I invested completely in the mission? Am I engaged? Am I giving? Am I growing? Am I sharing? The third one is, am I learning how God uniquely shaped me? Because we all have the same identity in Christ, but we all, we illustrate it in different ways because we all have different personalities and God doesn't want to take away our personality. He wants to enhance our personality with Christ-likeness. And so all of our passions and all of our desires, all of our talents, everything that he has given us, were given to us so that we could uniquely show the world who he is. Once he has filled us, he then begins to empty us. And he is in charge of both. We don't fill ourselves, he fills us. And we don't empty ourselves, he empties us. And the first one, first question we asked is, am I loving the one in front of me? That's what the Bible means in the Greek when it says, love your neighbor. It means love the one in front of you, not just the person who lives next door. And so am I loving the one in front of me means I need to know what love is. And we just finished a whole series about who we love, how we love, why we love. And we've come to the second part. And this second uh, question in the emptying, the fifth question overall is, am I expecting God to move in real life? How many of you out there pray? What kind of things do you pray for them? Safety. Safety. Uh, you know, whether they're living in a good environment. Yes, yes. The people they come in contact every day. Yes. Pray. So if, if you are really, you really think about it, when we start praying, and we are praying for the people around us, thank you for sharing, Kaylee. Um, we are also praying, we're praying for their salvation if they haven't yet said yes to Jesus. We are praying for their hearts if they've experienced loss or if they have uh, struggled with something or if they are uh, coming out of a bad environment and they are trying to figure things out. We pray for the better decisions if they're coming out of addiction, if they're coming out of those kinds of things. And we also pray for healing in their bodies, don't we? Right. When we pray, what we're saying is, God, we know that your will is to do good things for the people around us. And we expect you to move in real life. We're not just praying because we hope that someday some a great higher power in the sky might accidentally hear us and might accidentally do something. No, we believe that all things work for the good of those who are called by God and who are loved, who love God. And we want to be a, a part of a community where we see God moving in real life. But if we're going to love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our mind, all of our strength, then we also need God to heal our hearts and heal our souls, heal our minds, and heal our strength, our resources, our bodies, our everything else. And so that's what we're talking about over the next few weeks, is what does it look like for us to expect God to move in real life? And we're going to use those four ideas coming out of the Shema so that we can explore what it means to be healed and to, in a healed way, use the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Are you ready for that? So we always do a consider question. We're going to give about 10 or 15 seconds. Here is your consider question today. What is the most important thing in your life? Just quietly consider and then we'll get started. All right, like Michael said, during our loving series this last few weeks, we've talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And today we're going to focus solely on the heart. We're going to go a little deeper. 
a little deeper into that teaching. So today we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19 through 21. I'll give you a minute to get into that. If you don't have your Bibles, there are Bibles underneath your tables. Um, if you don't own a Bible, please take that one with you. It's free. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his longest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, your Bible may have the title right above this paragraph, is Jesus teaches about money. And that is true, but we're going to explore these verses beyond money because Jesus really isn't, he is talking about money here, but he's really using money as an example, right? And That's so right. we're going right. to dig into that. Um, and right before these verses, beginning in verse 19, Jesus teaches on prayer and fasting. And when we think of prayer and fasting, we think of churchy things, right? Religious things. But Jesus begins, starting with this here, he begins teaching beyond those things. And he starts talking more about what's in the heart. And, go, and how do I apply the things that we've talked about, fasting and prayer. Because you can't fast and you can't pray. Well, you can. But if you really want more of Jesus, it begins in here. And we're going to talk about that. So let's read this passage together. If you're there, say amen. amen. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now this passage has a do not and a do. Yes. So we're going to take them in order. First, the do not. It says, do not store up, first verse, do not store up treasures here on earth. So does that mean we're not supposed to have any form of savings? Is it a sin to have an IRA or a 401k? Is Jesus forbidding us to accumulate possessions? As a believer, as Christians, we are to take a, are we to take a vow of poverty? like the Franciscan nuns do. I, I have a good friend of mine. Um, she will always be a mentor to me, and I've talked to, about her before. For those of you who've been around me long enough, um, Sister Agnes. Yes. Um, I worked with her at the nursing home in Southern Indiana, and she will forever be in my heart um, because the love and compassion that she gave to those residents and to their families. I learned so much about being a social worker from her, and she wasn't even a social worker, right? She was a nun, but she was a Franciscan nun, and she had taken the vow of poverty. And so when it came time for her birthday or any special occasion or holidays, she refused to take any kind of gifts. That, she, that she by the way, is not my stance. Just so you know, it's my birthday today, and if you want to give a gift, praise the Lord. Right. Um, but basically, you know, she lived um, in a home with all of the nuns at, at um, Franciscan on the Hill. Um, and she just, she lived with very little. Yes. She was only allowed to live with what she needed, not what she wanted. And she really was not allowed to receive any kind of gifts from people. Now, if I gave it to her, she, she wouldn't tell me no, right? She wouldn't be disrespectful, but she really did not like the attention. And she really didn't want she would rather you take that gift and give it back to the residents that were living there. That's just the vow of poverty that she took. And for her, that's what God asked her to do. But Jesus isn't asking us to necessarily be, I'll be like Sister Agnes in this passage. So don't panic. <laughs> don't <laughs> right, panic, right, right. okay? 
know that, that, as usual, we have seen time and time again in Scripture that Jesus is concerned with our hearts. Not just our bodies, not just our souls, but our hearts and our minds. External things, like material possessions, matter only because of what they reveal about what's internal, right. what is in our hearts. Jesus chooses to use money here because it's something we can all relate to. Nobody can say that we don't. Right. Um, and it's just the society that we live in. We live on the earthly kingdom, and in the earthly kingdom, we have to have money in order to survive. Um, so let's support the argument that Jesus is not forbidding us to acquire possessions. So the first passage we're going to put up on the screen is from Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. And it says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I love how he says that. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. So here God is saying, right, be wise and follow the ants' example. So a 401k plan or savings is not a sin. That's right. Okay? It's being wise like the ant and preparing ahead for what is needed and making sure that Pastor Steve gets his 10th, 11th commandment of thou shalt feed pastors. That's right. Okay? <laughs> That's right. All right. So please, we're preparing ahead for what is needed. And that is wise. Let's look at Philippians 4. Let's go further. Philippians 4, 12 through 13. And this is in the NIV just because I like the way the NIV says it. It says, I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul talking. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Right? So know what Paul is saying here. The important thing isn't whether we have plenty or what we have or we are in need. The important thing is what's in our hearts, whether we are content or not, because our level of cont contentment is independent of our level of wealth. We, we often misquote this uh, Bible verse to mean that we can do anything we want because God gives us the strength to do whatever we want. But the actual context is mm -hmm. whatever comes our way, we can handle. That's exactly. what this actually teaches. Yes, Whatever God. comes our way, we can handle it because we know God is stronger and we get the strength to even handle the weak and the rough and the tragic times as well as to know how to be obedient during the successful and triumphant times. And I know you and I can testify to that. Amen. In 30, we'll be 30 years of marriage next year. Woohoo! Woo! That's right. That's <laughs> get ready right. for 29 coming up next month. But, um, Woo. I've only we, spent six weeks in the doghouse. I'm feeling pretty good so far. We had some, we had some years where we mm -hmm. had want, yes. and we had some years where we had need. But I can tell you this, that God has always provided. Um, and well, the stories that we could share go on and on, but how, especially when our kids were still in the home, and there were sleepless nights of how we're going to pay for this or pay for that or do this or do that. And God always, always provided um, exactly what we needed. And he gave us the strength to get through those times. I would even say, this is important for you to know, he, 
he was even faithful to us when we were not faithful to him. Yeah. And so we weren't necessarily tithers. We weren't. We didn't understand the God's economy, and we were not doing things the right way. And he still took care of us. However, once we started investing in God's economy and we started giving first and then doing things differently, now we have to get tires and we just get them instead of, oh no, what do we have to not pay in order to do this thing that has to happen so we can make more money? Um, and so we see both sides. Yes, God will take care of you if you do it your own way because he loves you, but he will bless you that much more if you do it his way and give you opportunities to bless others because of what he's given you. Right. Exactly. So back to what I said before, because our level of contentment is independent of our level of wealth, I have yeah. a quote here from, from J. Paul Getty. He is a millionaire, founder of Getty Oil Company in the 1950s. That's when he struck oil and became a millionaire, and that was back in the 50s. So nowadays, he'd probably be a billionaire, right? Um, and somebody asked him, uh, how much was enough? And his response was, one more dime. One more dime. How sad. One more dime. It was never enough for him. Right? But here's the thing. All of this doesn't leave us off the hook. Christ is speaking against something. If he isn't condemning all accumulation of poverty, what is he forbidding? The key is the phrase which in the NLT it doesn't say, but in other versions, that verse 19 says, don't store up treasures for yourselves, for yourselves. Uh, yes. here on earth. And I think that for yourselves is, impo is important. Christ is warning us against greed. Yes. He's warning us to get coveting, which is wanting other what other people have and you yes. can't have it. It's the hoarding of wealth. It's the lust for riches. It's the one thing, it's, it's one thing to provide for the need of your family and make provisions to, for the future like your like the ant yeah. right or the bee mm -hmm. and we've talked about the, the buzzing bee before right it's okay to do those provisions and it's okay to provide for your family god would want you to do that but it's another thing to seek wealth just to spend it on greater and greater pleasures on greater and greater levels of comfort right and we're going to talk about what he wants you to do with that but Let's put up 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So why does God talk about money so much in the scriptures? A lot of people think, oh, the jar must be, y'all need money. That's why we're talking about that today. And I'm here to tell you that is not why we're talking about this today. Our daddy owns cattle on a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. We're not worried about that at all. But the reason he taught him to say this again, like I said a while ago, the reason he uses money is because it's dear to us. It's important to us. Yeah. And it's about your heart. But just like any pleasurable thing we have on this planet, right, you can take it too far. And what God is saying to us as his children is, be careful. Yes. It speaks to the heart in verse 10 then. For the love of money is at a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I don't know about you all, but I don't want to be one of those people. I want God to constantly remind me to keep that into check. Again, Notice, uh, yes. just 
ahead. I know how the world likes to tell us this verse goes. Money, it, the love of money, not money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Right. It's not the root of all evil, and it's not money that's the root of all evil. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So he is warning us that there's a whole lot of traps when it comes to money. But he's not saying that money is bad. Right. I also want you to think about this too as we continue. He's not, think, think from a heavenly perspective, okay? Yes. This isn't just about money. Right. This is about anything of importance to you. Amen. This could be a career. This could be alcohol. This could be, I've got to have all of the gadgets and gizmos. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, guys. We love our toys. Yeah. Girls do like, like their toys, too. They're just maybe sometimes a little different. Yeah. I, right? I feel like God's really leading me to this. It, yes. It can also mean reputation. Right. You can be so worried about your reputation that you spend your life lying about who you are trying to make people think you're something that you're not because they're afraid, you're afraid that they will find out who you really are. You know what God is interested in? He knows who you really are, but he also knows who you can be. And until you're honest with who you are, you can never be who God knows you can be. That's why authenticity is, if you notice, when Michael yes. talked about joy, authenticity, and relationship, what does that spell? That spells jar. Authenticity is in the middle, and we didn't come up with that. God gave us no, that. No, When when God was showing us the ministry that He wanted us to plant here in Ardmore, Oklahoma, four years ago, yeah. and put yeah, us we, on this journey. We came up with the three of them, then we realized it spelled jar. You don't have to believe us, but that's actually what <laughs> happened. It's actually what happened, and why authenticity is so important is because it, it matters to God. Yes. And it matters to each other when we're supporting one another. Again, the key is the heart, not the bank account. Right. Whatever our financial situation, we must have an attitude of contentment like Paul talked about. If we are harboring a love of money or of anything beyond him, we are on the wrong path. If it is not possible to love money and to love God at the same time, Matthew chapter 6. Let's put that up there. Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. Here we go. It's not just all about money, right? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I have a confession to make because if we're going to be authentic, uh -oh. I'll be real. It's about to get real. All right. I'll be honest with you. What I struggle with on this one is my phone. There are times when I realize I need to get off my phone. <laughs> Because I'm missing time with my son, I'm missing time with my husband, I'm missing time with God. Because I'd rather be on the phone playing a game that I am addicted to at the moment. <laughs> Just confession. I'm being real. I'm being authentic. I'm, I'm showing you. And so, no one can serve two masters. And so we have to constantly, right, fight our, the flesh, fight that battle of serving two masters. Because it's so easily... We can so easily do that, yes. right? Um, and that's why we need Jesus. So what is Jesus saying? If the thing that drives you and motivates you is the accumulation of stuff, money, things, people, 
popularity. I have yes. that written in my notes and we didn't oh, even talk about excellent. it. Fame or career, and the, it can go on and on. And that stuff brings you security. If you yes. never can, are content with what you have, but always feel like you have to have more than you are on the wrong path. That's right. It's a false sense of security. It's, um, you God, feel secure at the moment, and then yeah. after a little while, you need a little more to be secure. God had to um, remind me of this four years ago when he called us to plant this church. Um, I very much um, was finding my identity in my career. I'd worked very hard um, to be a licensed social worker. I'd worked very hard in the field of geriatrics. I'd gone and got my bachelor's. I'd gone and got my master's. I had paid and took the horrible test to get my license. Um, and I was very proud, and I still am very proud, of being a social worker. God has called me to that, just like he has called me to pastor here. Yes. But four, four years ago, when we were going through our assessment with Nexus, the church planning organization that has helped us plant here, God had to really shake me up to realize that me being a social worker isn't all that he was calling me to be. And that I was finding my identity in that way too much. And that he wanted me to be even more than that. And I had to take a, a real, of course, that assessment was, it was hardcore. <laughs> they really put mirrors in front of our faces to get us ready for this plant because church planting's hard. And they wanted to make sure we were ready. And um, I remember God breaking me down in that throughout that weekend and saying, Carrie, you are more, you, I've called you to be more than what? you say you are it's who i say you are Amen. Yes. okay so just remember don't find your security in those things in your career in your stuff in your boat uh-oh i went to meddling <laughs> you did. i love the lake keep, keep going keep all going. right um you're serving a false god in the and you're making an idol out of that thing and god will not take second place in your heart it is impossible to serve God and stuff at the same time. If you want to know and follow the true God, you need to repent, or as we say here at the jar, rethink, rethink. Yes. of your wrong attitudes and actions and seek forgiveness and a change of heart in Christ. And like I said, I'm right there with you. God has to remind me all the time with my phone that I need to recheck it. Okay? So how can you tell? If you're making something more important than it should be, just just a few things you can write down real quick. I'm not going to go into depth, but these just are, these are good. Write these down if you if you're really interested in making this change in your life. So one, look at your checkbook. Where's your money going? How's it coming in? How's it going out? And is it only for your family, or are you giving to something? So don't let money rule you. Right. Try to figure out how to rule it. Okay. Amen. Second thing is, how do you respond when you hear an appeal for financial help? you get angry that someone would dare suggest that you take your hard-earned cash and give it to somebody else? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Remember we're talking about attitudes of the heart. Yeah, right? right? And I'm going to talk, this goes into what you said, Kayla. We're all in different financial circumstances. <clears throat> yes. This isn't about, like I said, this isn't about drumming up contributions for the jar. Right? right? God is always providing our needs. But we're just trying to give you questions that you can use to evaluate your heart attitude. Because that's what Jesus is saying here. It's all about your heart attitude. Number three, how do you react when you hear that someone else has come into money? You know, are you, are you glad for them or are you envious for them? 
Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So, giving too much to the wrong person can get you to the wrong wrong. That's correct. Yes, you need to be wise, just like the ant. Be wise in who you're giving your money to. That's correct. And ask God. Yeah. Right. And and asking God to show you, you know, and, and if you're a new believer, it takes time to learn that. That's right. Sometimes you may make a mistake and get, and you feel like God's telling you to give your give your time or talent or money to somebody, and then it ends up not being used correctly. And you're going to learn that. Okay, when is this me trying to make myself feel good, or when is this what God wants me to do? And it's okay to mess up. I always say when you're a new believer, it's like being a toddler. A toddler doesn't take off running the moment he takes steps. Oh, like someone. <laughs> Like a little kid put the fork yeah, in the, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't put a fork that's in the right. electrical outlet. That's right. Remember, God is our Abba, He's that's our right. Father, and we are His children. And and if you are a new believer, you're like a toddler. You're learning how to walk and hear His voice and make discern what when to give and when not to give. And just don't beat yourself up. Just say, okay, Lord, that wasn't Your voice. That was my voice. And now I need to learn from that. Show me Your ways. That's right. Okay. But at the same time, remember that as a that that. You do need to see Jesus with skin on sometimes. You, people who you know are doing it successfully. They are wise, not just with their money, but with the way that they're living their lives and how they protect their hearts. So when you have questions, you get good advice, and that is all through the Proverbs as well. Correct. Um, many counselors make for wise decisions. You, you have an opportunity to ask people, hey, I was thinking about this. What do you think about it? And you still are responsible for the decision that you make. But a wise person will help you in that process. Right. One other thing I want to say about number three is this: How do you? My the number three question: How do you react when you hear that someone else is coming to money? In place of money, you could leave that blank, and that could be anything. Mm, how do you true. feel about a coworker getting promoted and you didn't? Yes. Right. How do you feel about you know your brother or sister getting a brand new car and you're still stuck with the one with the big dent on the side. That's me. Yeah, right. I have a dent on the side of my car right now. And then the fourth one is, do your hopes and dreams center around money or your career or your children? And I'm going to say children there too because sometimes that's true too. Sometimes we allow our children to become everything. And we have to remember that those children are loaned to us by God. Um, and that our job is to raise them to be um, the best men and women for God that they can be. But at the end of the day, they belong to Him. Um, so why should we not store up treasures or stuff for ourselves on earth? Kaylee, you said it. First, it's pointless. They don't last. They don't last. Everything that you can accumulate on the earth can and will be destroyed. And the only question is how and when. So in verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Do you want to talk about the word rust there? Uh, that word rust, we, we use that word rust because we know that Jesus was probably, he had already used moth for, and clothing was a big deal back in those days. That was where a lot of your wealth was. If you had good, nice clothing, that really bought you a lot of prestige. Um, so then he also talks about this word, but it, it, it really, cut, rust kind of covers everything else. Uh, but it really means to eat or to corrode or to corrupt. And what it's saying is anything, anything that is from this world eventually corrodes and corrupts and rots and becomes less. 
uh, take a look at this beautiful church building that we have that was originally absolutely perfectly made and was fine all the way through it. And now we've had to go through and replace parts of the flooring and we've had to replace the plumbing and we've, all of those things because More those things come. don't last forever. <laughs> they, something will happen to cause them to go away. So that's one of the reasons that it's not satisfying is because even the stuff that you have isn't going to stay. Right. Ask anyone who's ever won the lottery and come out poor afterwards. It doesn't last. And so that's part of what Jesus is saying here is that everything that you can think of, if it, even if there's a chance of it lasting a little while, it can be stolen from you. Yeah. And the, and the old saying really is true. You can't take it with you when you're gone. Right. So what Jesus is telling us that it is unwise to invest all of our time and energy into accumulating things that will not and cannot last. So instead, oh, I love my Jesus. We talked about the don'ts a lot, yeah. but now he's going to give us the do. And the truth Are you ready is, for the do? If you spend enough time on Jesus' do's, you won't have time for the don'ts. <laughs> we should be investing our time and energy in storing up the kind of treasure that lasts forever. Amen. The kind of treasure that cannot be lost or stolen, will not deteriorate, and cannot be used up. What you invest in, your heart attaches oh, to. Amen. That's right. Verse 20 and 21 says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Yes. So is God some kind of like cosmic buzzkill? <laughs> right? Is he saying we can't have any fun while we're still on the planet? While we're still on earth? No. No. Who do you think created pleasure? Yes. Who do you think created enjoyment in things? God. When we walk through the woods and we see the beautiful trees, God. you know, and the things that we can do. And I don't know about you ladies, but I'm, I've said this a thousand times to my girls. I'm so glad I'm a woman now in this time than I ever would want to be a woman a hundred years ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest, right? Um, the things that as a woman, just so much better. And I praise God that I was born right now. I'm okay with that. Um, but he wants us to enjoy his creation in order to point us to Jesus. He wants us to understand that. Alan Perkins, a Baptist preacher, says it this way. I love it. He doesn't want us to fill up on the appetizer so that we lose our appetite for the main course. I'm going to say that again. He doesn't want us to fill up on the appetizer so that we lose our appetite for the main course. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's right. In other words, the treasures that he has prepared for us are so awesome that it is beyond our comprehension. I always tell my, my patients and their families that when we, we go through the death journey and we wind up on the other side, I firmly believe that we will know each other, but we will know each other in a totally different way of knowing. It's beyond our comprehension, just like it's beyond our comprehension that we are a speck of a speck of a speck of a speck beyond millions of specks in this giant universe that he has created. It, is, it just blows your mind. You cannot comprehend it. And that is what he's saying here. The love that he has for us and the treasures that he has prepared for us are so awesome 
that we can't comprehend. They're greater than anything we can imagine, including any amount of earthly riches. That's right. Yes, Horton hears like Horton hears a who. That's, That's right. right. There's a whole universe that we don't That's understand. Right. My mama always says about the earthly riches, she says, I can't wait to get to my mansion. Cone could be full of all kinds of jewels. You know, and she says, when I get there, it's going to be so sparkly. I said, yeah. I said, everybody's going to know your house in heaven, mama, because it's the one that's just going to be so bright. When It'll dazzle. It will dazzle. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But his love for us is greater than anything about any of those things. So how do we acquire these treasures? How do we store them up? As Jesus says, we do it by following him. We do it by trusting him for forgiveness of sins and eternal life and guiding our lives according to his word. Storing treasures in heaven is not limited to tithing, but includes all acts of service to God. If you guys remember when we talked about the love series the last three weeks, love is an action. Yes. Right? So when we are serving God and we are doing that out of acts of love, right, giving of your time and of your talent is just as important as your money. First Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We are children of God. We are heirs to his kingdom. Yes. And in God's economy and in God's kingdom, he's telling you, hold, take it. It's yours. I have given it to you. You are my heir. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Don't get so wrapped up in what's here on this planet right now. Stop your earthly perspective. Have a heavenly perspective. Yes. There is so much more, and I love you. And I, you are heir to that. So take it. Take hold of it. Jesus makes it clear that storing our treasures in the wrong place leads to our hearts being in the wrong place. What we treasure the most controls us whether we admit it or not. What we think about, talk about, or spend our money can dominate us. But in verse, if you go further on in verse 33 of chapter 6, Jesus says, you just flip one page over, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all. And what does all mean? All. All, all means all. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously or right, and he will give you all all you need. Yes. So our B today is be content today. So I really struggle with this B, but I think that this captures what it is that I was trying to get across to you. This is being content today means the Holy Spirit lives in the present. He is present with us. And it is the only presence that we really can rely on. And so when we are, we say, I'm going to be content Every day needs its own contentment. Today I can be content because I got plenty of food to eat and I got plenty of rest and I got a chance to 
to um, to spend some time with my family. And I, I feel pretty good about today. I'm here at this church and I'm getting to see faces I haven't got to see in a while. I'm getting to meet new friends. I am content today. And it is easy for me to, to be content today. Tomorrow may be a different day. And I have to wake up saying, God, help me to be content today. And I need to remember that treasures on earth are the things that are not going to last. So I made you a quick list. Easy. Okay. The first, first treasures on earth are money and possessions. The things that we have and the things that we can buy. That is the first treasure on earth that can be taken away at any time. Yeah. The second one is pleasures and selfishness. So in pleasures, what I what think about anything that you are doing because you believe that it's you only live once and you just have to make the most of today and whatever it takes to have joy or have, have happiness today, I'm going to do that. That is fleeting and it is going to go away and you are going to find yourself needing more and more and more to make that happen. And that's how addiction occurs. Right. The third one is power and influence. It's having the right to make decisions. It's being the one who's in charge. It's being the one who gets to, uh, to uh, get noticed and reputation and that kind of thing. Those are the three ways that we can look at treasures on earth. And if we are not careful, we can reach after those so much that we forget the God that we serve. Treasures in heaven are completely different. And they actually are in direct opposition to the treasures on earth. Treasures in heaven... First is holiness. And by holiness, all that means is separateness. It means becoming the person that God always intended you to be. But I want to give you a, a little hint. The person that God intended you to be is the best kind of person you could ever be. His intention is to bring out the best in you. So when I say holiness, think being the best me. How can I be the best version of me? The second one is godliness. And the difference between holiness and godliness is in the focus. Holiness is about what God can do in me, for me, through me, about me. Godliness is what I can do in him, for him, through him, and about him. Godliness is about devoting everything in my life to him. My finances, my pleasure, my power. If I put all of those in service to him and I worship him through them, if I say, God, I'm going to give you, if I have any influence, I'm going to use it to talk about Jesus. If I have any possessions and money, I'm going to use it to bless people who don't have it. If I get any pleasure, I'm going to let you define it so that I know what true pleasure is. I'm going to let you be the one to define it. So holiness, godliness, and servanthood. It's the opposite of selfishness. It's the opportunity that we have to reach one more, teach one more, help one more grow in Christ. To have that one person say yes to eternity with God Number is that nine. important. Number and nine. that is what we're all about. So we just talked this morning about how we baptized eight. We're looking for number nine. Amen. We're doing everything we can to reach the next person so that one more person can experience the heaven that is real. We have so short-sighted ourselves. The whole concept of heaven... We keep trying to make it a better earth. It's not a better earth. It's a better existence. It's above and beyond anything we can imagine. And so here's something we don't talk about often enough in the church. There is coming a day when Jesus is coming back for us. 
And when he comes back for us, he's going to give us an opportunity to have such an existence that this will pale in comparison. The best life you could have here is nothing compared to there. So see heaven to be heavenly so we can bring some heaven here. And that's what we are all about at the jar. And our desire for you is that you get the healing you need in your heart. And the way to find that healing is to give your heart to Jesus. This is Pastor Michael from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore. If you are interested in shield groups and want to know more, please send us a message to info at thejarministries.net or on our Facebook page. We will give you an outline to follow if you want to start your own group or connect you to others who are interested. May God bless you. I am filled.